Hi there, it's Kathleen here, and welcome to The Gathering, bringing God into everyday life. Let me encourage you to not just listen, but partner with God and practice what He speaks to you. You can access more information about me, my newspaper articles, upcoming events, contact me, or purchase my book, Thriving Through Seasons of Grief, on my website at www.kathleenmaxwellramby.com. This podcast is now in 28 countries, and people have donated so that you can listen free. Will you consider paying it forward for someone else by giving a one-time or monthly gift? Simply click the button that says Become a Patron or Patronage at the top of the podcast. And don't forget to click the like or follow, and you'll be the first to know when new episodes are released. Enjoy the podcast. Gathering, and today I'm excited about our lesson. It's going to be called Living Out of the New You. And we're going to talk today about how God feels about you and who you are and living out of the new life that he provides. That's going to be our topic of today's lesson. And so as we begin this lesson, I want to just open with prayer. So, Lord, I thank you so much for each one that's here and each one that is listening by Facebook or podcast. I ask, God, that you open the eyes of our understanding, that we discover how dearly loved we are by you, how you feel about us. And, Lord, where there's any any of us that may have believed a lie, that you would just reveal truth. And I ask that you just give us the grace, Lord, to just partner with you and learn of you and practice what you want to teach us on this topic of identity and the new life you've provided. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, in jumping into this lesson, um, I want to start with understanding the benefits of understanding our identity and living out of the new life that God has given us. And if you're taking notes, these are some things that you can jot down. They're going to be at the end of the page. But I want to talk about why it is important to understand our identity. And then we're going to jump into what that looks like and where that where we can go from there. So the first benefit I have found in my life of understanding our identity in Christ and who God is, is that it gives us something solid to walk on in tough days. When you understand who God has made you to be and who you are in His eyes, it gives you something solid to stand on. And I have found it's been a weapon for me against fear. The second thing is understanding our identity is critical to overcoming in times of adversity. How many of you have been through a little bit of adversity? Raise your hand. (laughs) I think all of us have, and especially I know all of us have, just in what went on in Uvalde here in our community on May 24th. We've all been through adversity, but I'm also going to share with when you understand who you are and what God's called you to do, it gives you something to ground you and helps you overcome in that hardship. 
The third thing that I think is important in understanding our identity is when you remember who you are, you walk in possibilities, not problems. You walk in possibilities, not problems. And it elevates your thinking. And number four, it gives us a better response in those tough situations. I know when um, May 24th happened here, the, the, the shooting, I was at my home and uh, I needed, I was hearing information. I needed to run to town and go to the post office. And I got to the back door, put my hand on my back doorknob and I felt like the Lord said, I want you to go to the Civic Center. And all I knew at that time is they were busing the kids to the center and that they were also, uh, uh, parents were gonna be there. And my first response was, but Lord, people don't know me in Uvalde like they do in Kerrville. And, but I turned around, I had on my workout clothes, I turned around and went in and put on a dress and walked out the door and got in my car and out of sure obedience, I walked into the center, the civic center. And I showed him my credentials as a minister. And I said, I have a ministry to people and grief and crisis. And if you need help, I'm here to do whatever you want. And the lady looked at me and she said, I want you to go in this room over here. The parents are waiting and this is what I want you to do. You'll be great in that. And I walked in the room and there were more people there than I expected. And I, I had to kind of catch my breath. And I thought, Lord, this is big. And the Lord just spoke to my heart and he said, Kathleen, you know who you are. You know you have, on a, you have a call to the brokenhearted, and you know I heal broken hearts. Now go do what I've asked you to do. And so understanding who I was and that God was with me, that's about all I knew. And this was a little bit, this was uncharted waters. Although I'd been around quite a few people and that had been through grief and tragedies, um, I'd done funerals before. This was something a little bit different, but I could walk in that conference. I could walk into that room and walk with confidence. And I, all I did was just pray with family after family in that hard time. So understanding your identity is crucial. It really is. My friend Allison Bound has written a book, and it's called The Image. And one of the things out of her book, she says, our response to situations is based in our identity. God's, ours, and seeing true identity of others. Our responses are choices, no matter what is occurring. And we are responsible for the choices that we make. As we understand our identity, it can give us confidence to do the things we're called to do. And sometimes God surprises us. He doesn't always tell us ahead of time some of the things. But when you walk hand in hand with him and you know he loves you and you know he's for you and you know he's with you, 
it can give you a confidence. Last November, I was driving uh, to Kerrville. I was on my way, and we were going to a wedding that weekend. And I get this call from my friend, Melissa, and she said, Kathleen, you and Stephen are coming to the wedding, right? I said, yes. She said, oh, good. She said, I need you to help me with something. And I said, okay, I'm happy to. She said, uh, our pastor has COVID. He can't do my daughter's wedding. I've got a hysterical bride <laughs> that's sitting right here in this, this class, Miss Haley, back there. And she said, will you do it? I said, Melissa, full disclosure. I said, I know I wrote an article about marriage, and I've taught marriage classes before, but I've never done a wedding. And she said, well, you know, just let me know because we got to figure out something quick. I said, let me pray about it and I'll, while I get to Kerrville. So I drove to Kerrville, prayed about it. I called her back and I said, yes, Melissa, I will do it. I'll, you know, I've been a bride twice. Um, I've had a daughter that was bride. I know what that can be like. And uh, I said, okay, Melissa, I'll do it. She said, okay, that's good because we've got 650 people coming to this wedding. <laughs> I had already committed and I couldn't say no, <laughs> but I could step up there that night with confidence because all I knew was God was with me. All I knew is God was with me. So that's why understanding our identity is so important. You see, for me, I had gotten my occupation from my job, my, or my identity from my job, from my children, from being a wife, from different things that had happened. And back in my 30s, the Lord began to speak to my heart. And he said, you can't get your identity from your husband, your kids, or this gym. I, was a, I had my own gymnastics school. He said, because all of them can be gone. And I knew that cognitively we were planning on selling the business at some point, and that would not be my identity. Um, I knew my children were growing up. They were still young at that time, but I knew they were going to leave home. I mean, that was our goal in raising them, is to make them self-sufficient, independent, and for them to go and outdo us in things. What I didn't know is that my husband and childhood sweetheart would be gone when I was 49. And there I was to face life and figure out, now what do I do? Who am I? Who am I now? But God in his kindness and mercy began to show me. And what I began to, feel, to understand is it's what God's opinion of us is that really matters. And I feel like throughout the years, I've, begun, I've grown in my identity. And because God's always calling us to different things. Um, so, number one, in your notes, the first key to understanding our identity is understanding how much we are loved. And I want you to think about a baby. And maybe if you don't have children, maybe you have nieces or nephews. Maybe you're sitting here and... and you know, you've had your kids, but you're a grandmother. I want you to think of that new baby. And just how when you have that baby in your arms, that baby just, you might have given birth, or it might be a relative or a friend, but you just, 
didn't you just love that baby? And it just didn't do anything, did it? It cried. You just loved it. You just this overwhelming love. I remember when my first uh, first baby was born. Um, my oldest is 41. That really makes me sound old, but I'm not. Um, I remember they brought, and I was young. I was 21 when he was born. And my husband had gone out of the room, and they brought me this little red-headed baby. I didn't know I was going to have a red-headed baby, okay? <laughs> it was genetic, uh, recessive gene, but they brought him in, and they said, okay, Kathleen, it's time for you to feed him. And I was like, who, me? Okay, I guess I'm in charge now. <laughs> and my husband had gone home for the evening. He was tired, and I remember just looking at Austin and holding him, and I just this overwhelming love filled my heart for him. And he didn't do one thing to deserve that love. He didn't do one thing. There was just that love as a mother that God, I think, puts in us. And it is so important that we understand that God views us the very same way. You see, I grew up in, in a home where, a great home, but it was kind of performance oriented, where when I did right, there was lots of love. When I did wrong, my dad, who's a great man, but he would really withdraw his heart. He would withdraw his spirit, and I might spend days working myself back into his good graces. And so I attached that to how God felt about me, but that's not true. And we're going we're gonna to jump into some scriptures and see that. You are dearly loved by God, not for your good behavior or your bad behavior, but simply because you're his child. Simply because you're his child. It says in Jeremiah 31, 3, it says, for I have loved you with an everlasting love, and with loving kindness I have drawn you. And some of you may be sitting here and you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, but let me just tell you, he knows you, and he wants you to get to know him more. You know, I've walked with the Lord. I accepted Jesus as my Savior when I was 10 years old. So I've walked with him for over 50 years. But I can tell you it wasn't until I would say about the last um, 20 years of my life that I really began to understand the depth of that great love. And Jeremiah 31.3 has been one of my favorite scriptures. And maybe if you're honest with yourself, <clears throat> you might say, you know, I'm not really sure. I believe God loves other people, but I'm not sure that he loves me. And that's kind of the way I felt. Um, I knew John 3.16, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. But I had always focused on God loved the world. I never focus on how much he really loved me. And so I want to just talk about John 3.16 because I want you to personalize it. I want you to put your name in there 
For God so loved Tina. For God so loved Mandy. For God so loved Kathy that he gave his only son that whosoever believes on him will not perish but have everlasting life. And I love that everlasting life because that's not just surviving. It's really living life. The Bible tells us in John 10 that Jesus has come so that we can have life and life to the full. And understanding our identity is a foundation and having a relationship with the God that loves you is critical. And so if you've never given your heart to the Lord, today's a great day. I'd love to pray with you at some point in time. Um, And then there's some things in your study notes to look at. But the second key in us understanding our identity is that you are chosen. Do you know you have been chosen? There is something profound about being chosen. And there's power in grasping that God chose you. So many people feel like they don't belong. And maybe you don't belong in certain situations or in certain places anymore because you've outgrown them. And that can be a good thing. But many people struggle with feeling like an outcast. They may not even feel, you know, loved in their own home. But you and I can rest in the fact that we have been chosen. And I want to show you where I found this. Deuteronomy 7.6 tells us, it says, For you are a chosen people, a people holy to the Lord. The Lord God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be his most treasured possession. Do you know you are a treasured possession to God Almighty? And you may be sitting there saying, Kathleen, you don't know how hard my life's been. You don't know the things I've been through, the hardships. And you're right, I don't. But you still have been chosen and you're dearly loved. It tells us this again in Deuteronomy 14.2. For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. Out of all the peoples on the face of the earth, the Lord has chosen you to be his treasured possession. And maybe life circumstances have left you feeling less than, but God today wants you to know that you've been chosen You have been chosen. Too many people let their life circumstances define how they feel. And I know when I was a widow, all of a sudden I'd go on from, you know, having a man that loved me. And, you know, my mom's health was failing at that time. My dad's health health was failing. Um, And there I was looking at the three people that loved me the longest, knew me the best, had been my cheerleaders, were gone at that time. And it was hard. And there were days I didn't feel love because nobody gave me a hug when I walked in the door. Nobody was there to process my day. So our feelings can lie to us. And Satan loves 
to kill, steal, and destroy. He would love for you to feel like you are not valuable, that you're not treasured. And sometimes, folks, we have to pick ourselves up by our bootstraps and remind ourselves of the truth of what God's Word says versus looking at our adversity and our circumstances. This is how God feels about you. You've been chosen. John 15, 16, and I want to read this to you because it says it again. And when God repeats something over and over, it means it's important. John 15, verse 16, and I'm going to read this out of the message version. I use different translations when I'm doing my study and research. I love to see different what, what God's Word says in different translations. But here's what it says, John 15, 16. You did not choose me, remember, I chose you and put you in the world to bear fruit, fruit that won't spoil. A fruit bearer, as fruit bearers, whatever you ask the Father in relation to me, he gives you. So right there tells us that he chose us first. He pursued us first. And he's running after some of you. He wants to draw you closer to him. He wants you to have a new revelation, a new understanding that you're chosen. Okay, in 2 Thessalonians 2, verses 13 and 14, and this is in the message version, it says, Meanwhile, we've got our hands full continually, thanking God for you, our good friends, so loved by God. God picked you. Out as his from the very start. Think of it. Including, included in God's original plan of salvation is the bond of faith in the living truth. So friends, stand firm. Feet on the ground and head held high. Keep a tight grip on what you were taught. Whether in personal conversation or by letter, may Jesus himself and God our Father who reached out in love and surprised you with gifts of unending help and confidence put a fresh heart in you. Invigorate your work and enliven your speech. Wow. Right there tells us that God has chosen us, that he wants us to stand firm, to hold our heads up high. I had a client one time. My background is in social work. I uh, was director of the Christian Women's Job Corps for a number of years. And I had a, a woman that came. She had a lot of struggles, a lot of adversity, and things she was overcoming. And when she walked in um, for her first day, her head was down. You know, she was, she was, you could tell she was nervous. She was looking down, wouldn't even look quite in the eye. But as this woman began to understand that she was chosen by God, that God loved her and that he had a plan for her life, her countenance changed. And when she graduated from that program, she walked out holding her head up high. And I'm happy to say she's been working at the same job for, um, I know, over a decade now because the Lord changed her life. You see, I feel like he's equipping all of us to bear fruit. He's chosen you to bear fruit. He's got a job for you to do 
right here in Uvalde. And you might say, well, Kathleen, I'm not a speaker. Not everybody's called to do that. But you can be the loving arms of Jesus to those that are around us. The more you know him, the more you know your identity, you're going to find so much joy in life. When we understand this, it changes us, but it changes others. And, you know, it helps us to look at other people, too, especially some difficult people. Does anybody have difficult people in your life? You don't have to raise your hand. But, uh, you know, it helps us to see their potential. And when I encounter those difficult people, or the grace growers in my life, sometimes I call them. I'm like, Lord, what is their potential? What is it that they need to overcome? And then that can help us pray into that. Um, it helps us see potential in people versus the wrong behavior. And let's jump now to Romans 6, verse 4. Because once we have, so we're laying a foundation here. Understanding that you're loved, you're wanted, you're chosen. God wants a relationship with you, a daily relationship. I don't just, I don't kneel and pray. I'm talking to God as I'm driving my car. I'm talking to God sometimes at the gym just so I can make it through the workout and not die. <laughs> I'm talking to him sometimes as I, you know, I'm going through the grocery store. I needed something specific. My husband wanted something specific, and I was like, I need to find this. I have my own time schedule. Lord, please help me find this. You know, and I finally found a person that really could take me right to exactly what I needed. God wants that kind of everyday life. You may be a mom, and you're dealing with teachers in school and all of that kind of stuff. He wants you talking to him about your kids as you walk the halls of your school. Wherever you are, the Lord wants us to have that ongoing conversation with him. Romans 6, 4 says, Just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Do you know that God has a new life for you? And we're going to talk about what that is. When we come into relationship with the Lord, this is an analogy that I had. You know, you can when we come into the relationship, it's like the Lord gives us a brand new slate. And we can walk in peace, in joy, in kindness, in patience. That's the new life that he has for us. But back to the, the analogy about a car. I've driven old cars before. Yesterday, I was driving. My car was getting a little bit of work done on it. And I was driving the 1990. I don't even know how old that your dad's truck is. But it's way, way old. <laughs> it's old. And I'm driving. You no, know, the car, the truck was driving me is a better thing. I'm going down the road. You know, it's just a big old tank. It feels like a tank. But it's like, you know, we sometimes can cling to those old things and those old ways of life versus the new. And God gives us something brand new, a new life in him. Let's look at this new life. Colossians 3 verses 1 and 2 tells us, it says, So if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Set your mind on things that please Christ. Your old life is dead. Your new life, which is your real life in Christ, is your life. 
He is your life. Number three in your note-taking, before we go on. Too many times people try to change their behavior instead of truly living out of who God says they are. So number three in your notes is that word is behavior. Too many times people just try to change their behavior. They go to anger management, and I'm not ditching anger management, but they focus on the problem versus the possibility. We're going to jump in and see where we find this in the Bible. If you've accepted Christ as your Savior, here's what your new life looks like. And it's found in Galatians 5, verse 22 and 23. But the fruit, and fruit is evidence, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such there is no law. That's what your new life looks like. What if you practice more on not your problem, not your anger, not your... Um, your focus on your depression or your uh, fear, your anxiousness. But what if you practiced instead of practicing and looking at your fear and all the things you're afraid of, what if you just practiced walking in peace more? Practicing our peace. See, that's what it's about, is practicing the Word of God. Are we going to do it right all the time? I don't. But the more you do something, the better you're going to get at it. And I think that there's God has provided peace for us. Jesus said, he said in John, my peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. And I think there's so many, our day and age, that get caught up in the problem versus practicing what God has for us. I've got a podcast on walking in peace. And so if that's the struggle you have, um, I will happy, be happy to send you that podcast. What if our new life, which it tells us right here, this is what God has for us, is joy. I think there are many people that struggle with depression. And not everything in life is joyful, but we all have choices that we can make. And we can practice these things. And I'm telling you, just as you practice these things in your life, the easier they're going to get, but it takes our focus off the problem, off of ourselves, when we look at the possibilities that God has. And it says there is, against such there is no law. You know, when we have difficult things in life, Maybe, you know, let's go back to anger. Usually anger is a red flag that there's unforgiveness or there's fear. And whenever I find myself and I get angry, or I call it fit, hop, and mad, <laughs> fit, hop, and mad, I usually try to step back and say, okay, Lord, is there somebody I need to forgive? 
Or is there something I'm afraid of? And when we take that to the Lord and we ask for his help and I, I wait and listen, you know, we see things. I remember one time, and I've used this uh, illustration before, but my little girl was about five and uh, she had spilt her milk. And I, I was working, I was busy, I was trying to get stuff done, and I said, Mallory Kathleen Maxwell, I can't believe you spilled your milk. And, you know, I, I yelled at her. And she started crying. She was my child. All you had to do was look at her. You didn't even have to say much, but, you know, she, would, she was instantly repentant. And she said, I'm sorry, Mommy, I'm so sorry. And I went and got the sponge and cleaned it up. And as I walked back, I felt so guilty and I felt so bad. I thought, why did I yell at her? I mean, it's milk and she's a child. And as I was washing the dishes, I just felt the Lord speak to me and say, you were angry because you're really mad at Joe. Joe was my late husband. And then I was like, yep, you're right. (laughs) Yep, you're right. We had had a spat that morning, but I could take it to the Lord. And I could forgive. I could choose to forgive my husband or not. It's a choice, girls. It's a choice. We can choose to forgive or not. We have choices. And some of you, it's on your forgiveness that's held you in bondage. And maybe if you struggle with anger, it's because there's some people you need to forgive. And God's right there with you to help you, not condemn you, not to condemn you, but to lift you up and help you. And I've got a couple of podcasts on walking in forgiveness that are really good and can go into that in a greater depth. Number four in our lesson notes, your behavior echoes what you believe about yourself. Your behavior echoes what you believe about yourself. Had a woman call me. Uh, She doesn't even live in this country. But she called me and she struggled with um, some issues in her life. And she had been listening to my podcast. And she, she emailed me and said, can I have some time with you? I said, okay. And so we arranged a call. And she began to talk about how she um, really didn't like her life circumstances, didn't like herself, and she had some trouble with cutting. Some of you may have heard of that. And as I sat there and listened uh, to her, I just said, oh, honey, I said, you just don't understand how dearly loved you are, how much God has a plan for your life and her behavior was echoing what she believed about herself she didn't believe she deserved some good and that went back in some things but as we've prayed as we walked in as I've walked with her I got a um, message from her the other day and this has been going on now for about a year that we've had this dialogue and times to pray and walk together But she was telling me all the neat things that have changed and all the the way that she feels about herself and how different that that her identity is. 
your behavior echoes what you believe about yourself. So look at your behavior. And what I mean by this is sometimes, you know, we'll make a mistake. And I know, you know, not too long ago I did something and I was like, man, why did I do that? That's a mistake. And I just felt like the Lord said, yeah, but that's not who you are. And I was like, you know, you're right. We don't have to beat ourselves up with self-condemnation. We can forgive ourselves. And sometimes the hardest person to forgive on this earth is ourselves for different failures and things we've done. You know, far too many people listen to the lies that people tell them and can be their own worst enemy. And, you know, I was guilty of that. For a long time, if I'd mess up, I'd spend days, weeks feeling like a failure, a bad person, until I discovered I could forgive myself. And, you know, the quicker you are to forgive yourself when you mess up, the quicker you're going to be to forgive other people. We do not have time. We are living in a critical time in our society today, and we don't have time to hold unforgiveness against ourselves or against other people because unforgiveness keeps you in bondage. Bitter people are bitter because there's some unforgiveness and they're choosing not to walk in forgiving themselves or forgiving other people. Colossians 3, verses 1 and 4. I want to read that, and this is again in the message. It says, so if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along, eyes down to the ground, absorbed in the things just right in front of you. Look up and be alert at what is going on around you in Christ. That's where the action is. See things from his perspective. One of my favorite prayers is, Lord, help me to see things from your perspective. Help me to see this situation from your perspective. Help me to see this person from your perspective, not just my own carnal thinking. Verse 3 and 4 says, Your old life is dead. Your new life, which is your real life, even though invisible, is with Christ in God. He is your life. That's your new life. You know, um, I had written in a speech I gave one time to a group of women. It's like... These things that we can struggle with in life, anger, attitude, unforgiveness. When you come to Christ, those things don't look good on you anymore. Every item, it's like he gives you a new wardrobe, and every item is custom made for you by the Creator. You've been chosen by God for the new life. He wants you to dress in compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength, and discipline. Even be even-tempered and quick to forgive offenses. That's what looks good on you. Forgive as quickly and completely as God forgave you. Forgiveness is your key to freedom. Don't let the enemy pull you back 
into the old ways of thinking, into the worldly things. God's given you. He's given grace. We're going to talk about grace. He's given you grace. He's giving you power. You have, when you accept Christ as your Savior, you have someone that walks with you through everyday life. And too many times we see ourselves and our identity is too small. Some of you, God's brought you here because he's going to raise you up and send you out in new capacities. And sometimes we don't see it. We don't see our potential and what God has called us to. When I first started doing the gathering, um, I was like, again, I was doing it in Kerrville. And I had people say, I want to send that message to my my mom, my sister, my cousin, um, my neighbor. And so I started recording them and I would, I would put them, you know, to just email it to them. And it kind of got out of hand and there were some young people that were coming and I had a, a young, young girl that, that, um, said, you know, you ought to put, do a podcast. And then my sweet dear friend, Laura Jane, um, Laura Jane, elder, kept talking to me. She said, I can't come to Kerrville, but I want to hear you speak. She said, why don't you do a podcast? Well, after I heard this a couple of times, um, I talked to the, to the young girl that, um, that had mentioned it and met with her and kind of got some direction because I looked at her at first. I was like, Sarah, you got to understand. I can even spell podcast, much less do one. I don't even listen to him. I had all my excuses. See, I didn't see myself as capable of that. But after meeting with someone, um, I, I found that I really could do it. And it was stepping out in faith. I was like, Lord, people are going to know more about my life than I know about them. And the Lord said, well, you're just going to have to get over yourself. And do you know now that podcast is in 31 countries? I would have never guessed that. Never guessed that. Do you see how sometimes our thinking can be way too small? And God has a different plan. When you change your thinking, you're going to change your behavior and your actions. So, number five in your note-taking, God's perspective brings new thinking and language about ourselves and others. You have a new life. Identity is key in unlocking our victory. And, you know, this is evidenced in the Bible. I don't know if you've heard the story of Gideon. But Gideon was a man that was hiding under a bush because there was an army that was coming against him, coming out. And he was afraid. And the angel of the Lord, this says in Judges 6, 12, the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon and he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. You see, God is a God that loves us and he calls us up, not out. He's not sitting there shaking his finger and saying, yeah, but you've done this and you've done this and you're guilty of this. Okay. God calls us up to a new way of thinking. He gives us forgiveness for our sins and failures. All he says is bring them to me. 
bring them to me and exchange them. I've got a good plan for your life. But Moses, I don't have time to go into the story of Moses, but Moses and Gideon are two examples in the Bible of people that God called them up and called them to new capacities. And I firmly believe he wants to use you and me to affect the world around us. He calls us beyond ourselves. Is it going to stretch you to fulfill the God, the call God has on your life? Yeah, probably so. I'd love to say no. It's going to be real comfortable. And you can just sit back in your easy chair and it's going to come to you. But that's not usually the way it is. One of the things as I've gone to the Lord and said, Lord, I need for you to show me how you see me. I need for you to show me and give you, give me your perspective of me. Is the Lord has given me some identity statements. And I took a class years ago on this. But there are things, identity statements can ground us. Your Number six, identity statements are how God sees us. And secondly, how he created us uniquely and wonderfully different. And our identity statement highlights that. And you might say, well, Kathleen, what's an identity statement? Well, as I was taking this course and I thought, oh, my word, this is like way beyond me. I'm not that smart. Um, I began to sit quietly and say, Lord, I just need you to speak to my heart. You know, the Lord wants to speak to each and every one of us, but sometimes we're so busy and we have our agendas and we don't take time to just be with him and just be. And some of the most powerful transforming things the Lord has showed me are in the morning when I get up and I get my coffee and I literally, I sit in the dark with a little candle just because I want a little light, I need to wake up. I wake up slowly. <laughs> I wake up slowly, but I just need to be with the Lord first to talk about my day. And as you sit with the Lord, he will show you some identity statements. And some of the things the Lord spoken to me, and the first time I wrote this down, I was like, wow, okay, Lord, that's how you see me. But the first identity statement he gave me was, and I wrote this in the I am in tense. I am a woman of significance and influence called to bring the supernatural power of God into broken lives. That is one of my identity statements that I know God gave me. And I've seen, and this has been, this has been 11 years ago, that that identity statement, I felt like God gave it to me. Another identity statement, I'm a bold daughter of the King of Kings, establishing my father's kingdom here on earth. And then there was the one that I felt like the Lord gave me, and I wrote it down, and then I laughed. I am overflowing with grace, gratitude, gentleness, humility, and love. And I was like, Lord, really? I mean, you know me. <laughs> You know I don't always do these things. He goes, but that's how I see you. And that's what I'm calling you up to. And it's in that that we can practice. Do you see and get the emphasis on practicing? You don't have to have it all together. You don't have to pretend to have it all together. The Lord just wants you to take his hand and walk with him in life. So 
I just want to challenge you in your notes. And for those that are listening uh, by podcast, if you email me, um, I will be happy to send you these. But some of the ways I developed identity statements were taking time to listen to the Lord and learning more about who God is. He's gracious. He's kind. He's slow to anger. And guess what? You and I, as his children, are made in his image. Just like my kids have my DNA in them. You're made in the image of God. And so those things are in you. Reading scripture. The Lord began to show me things. And like I said, when I would blow it, it was sometimes in that adversity or those failures. And I would say, Lord, I blew this. And he's like, yeah, I know, but I'm calling you up, not out. Do you see the love, the kindness, the graciousness of our loving Father? You are a people with purpose. God has a call on your lives, and he wants you to share the love of Jesus with others. He wants you to be a light. You've got things to do, and he wants you to go and share the good news of Jesus. He wants us to be couriers of hope. He wants us to carry hope wherever we go. Right now, Uvalde needs hope. It needs love. It needs forgiveness. It needs hugs. And maybe God is calling you to be a hugger in our community. I don't know what his call is on your life. But I do know he will teach you and he will show you in the days ahead. Let's pray. Lord, what you think and feel about each one of us here is what really matters. So I ask that you erase the lies that we've believed and show us truth. Lord, I ask that it's imprinted, like tattooed on us, how much you love us, how we're chosen. Lord, how you've given us a new life. And you're not a God that's shaking your finger at us when we fail. But you're a God who gives forgiveness and love and grace and compassion and helps us as we walk in the days ahead. Thank you that you call us your treasured possession and that we're people of destiny. Father, I just pray for your transformation in each one of our lives. Lord, that we'll come back next week sharing testimonies of who you are and what you've shown us as we seek you and your word. And I bless each one listening. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, this is Kathleen. And one quick thing, I just really appreciate you joining us today for the gathering, bringing God into everyday life. I have some resources that might interest you, and you can go to shop.kathleenmaxwellramby.com and check them out. I have other Bible study series, grief seminars, and my book. And so you might want to 
look at those, you can also go to my website at www.kathleenmaxwellramby.com and get more information. Appreciate you joining me and hope you'll join us next week. Have a blessed week.